Welcome to Sanctuary Church of Jonesboro's online podcast. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you. And a man who I trust the anointing in his life and that he hears from God. I'm so glad he is here today to minister. Not only today, but he will be here next weekend as well as my wife and I are taking a little uh, weekend trip to get away. And uh, he will be here for the next two weekends. And I'm expecting God to do tremendous things this weekend and next. If you are ready today for the word of the Lord, would you just clap your hands and give God a shout of praise. Man, would you accompany that with a shout of thanksgiving today? Amen. If God's blessed you over the last six years specifically, would you just lift up your voice and just thank Jesus for the wonderful blessings that he's loaded us down with daily. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you for your touch of anointing upon this church. God, I thank you for a light that's shining in this city, Jesus. Amen. I am so honored to be here with you today. And I'm very happy to have my family. They are not always able to be with me. In fact, we just ended a stretch where my wife had not heard me preach for about two months. And I heard her preach the entirety of that two months. So um, just joking. If you know her spirit, then you know how inaccurate that is. But I am so thankful to have them and my mom here. And of those... uh, who I grew up with and are somewhere around my age, there are no two people that I respect more highly and trust in the anointing of God upon their life than Brother and Sister O'Connell. And uh, so you are privileged to have them as your leaders and as the pastor that God has gifted this church and this city after his own heart. I think it'd be okay if we gave them honor today. Amen. Thank God. I feel like the Lord just dropped a little word for this church into my spirit. That for the last six years you've stretched as far and given as much as men and women could give. And that in the seventh year that God is going to stretch forth for you. Why don't you just lift your hands right now. Would you just lift your voice to Jesus right now. And if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 38 today. Thank you for creating an atmosphere in which the Holy Ghost can move in this house. Amen. What a wonderful atmosphere of worship and praise. And I know there are many people in this room today, but it feels good. It feels comfortable. And I'm thankful uh, for that. It's because of your praises. I believe that in the next little while, the Lord's going to just kind of open a door into the Spirit. I feel like my job here for the next, this weekend and next weekend, is just to kind of tell you what I see and point over there and just kind of paint the picture for you and just kind of give you what I feel the Lord has given me for you. So I'll make you a deal. I'll tell you what the Lord's told me. If you'll respond and just respond whatever way that God prompts you to respond today. How many will do that this morning? Amen. I believe that God is trying to position 
each of us to move forward. And like David, many times we're armed for our future, but sometimes the enemy, once we're armed, will work on us. One last effort to convince us that there is not a place for us in the battle. There is not a place for us in the army. David is met by disregard even among his brethren. He was faced with a reluctance from Saul, and that brings us to our text today. Verse 38 says, And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put an helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with a coat of mail. David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go, for he had not proved it. David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. David put them off him, and he took his staff in his hand, chose him five smooth stones out of the brook, put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, even in a scrip. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. I preach to you today the brook, the bag, and the battle. Would you lift your hands to Jesus right now and one more time invite his presence into this house. Heavenly Father, we adore you. We appreciate you. Lord, we're overwhelmed at your touch. That is so strong in this house today. I pray, Lord, that every word would be ordered. I pray, God, that you administer to every life, to every heart. Let there be a word for every man, woman, boy, and girl. No matter background, merit, or lack thereof in this house today. God, for we're all sinners in need of your grace and your mercy. Would you meet us with a word from heaven today? We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Would you give the Lord one great round of applause today? Oh, what a worthy, mighty God we serve. Thank you for standing in honor of the reading of the word of the Lord. You can be seated today. The brook the bag, and the battle. It was no doubt daunting the predicament that Saul's army found itself in on this day. Not only did the Philistines have high ground, their forces arrayed against the Israelites, but Saul was a leader with a lost anointing. His vision had been decimated because of his disobedience, and God had spoken to him and commanded Saul to slaughter the Amalekite people, yet Saul, still a young man, though he knew better, he spared the choices of the spoils and spared Agag, their king. And so his thoughts superseded God's plan, and his preference took priority over the will and the flow of the Spirit of God, the voice of God into his ear, and Because of that, his demise was sealed. Death at the end of his own sword, lying in the shadow of an Amalekite. Saul's lack of vision was never more evident than when he was approached by David, who in his eyes was no doubt but just a lad, a little child. His attempts to place his own armor upon David were rebuffed in what probably seemed foolishness to Saul, but there was an anointed wisdom The words of David as he declared unto Saul, I cannot go into battle with these armaments of war, for I have not proved them. So it is that David understood the process of God, 
is to make a young man's hands to war. For it was declared in Judges chapter 3 that there are enemies that were left to each generation of the Israelites to teach the children of Israel war, for they had not known, they had not been through the battles and the wars of Canaan. And so we draw from the pages of Scripture that it is indeed the goal of each generation We understand this from our own hearts to bestow a brighter future upon our children, a brighter future than the battles of our past. However, we must understand that there is some opposition that is left for us to battle by God. For truth to endure to every generation, there are battles that must be fought to contend for it in every generation. And so it is that today, this morning, a young man who is in this house under the sound of my voice would do himself well to know that there will be offenses that come and there will be heresies that are named among us and they do not come to reveal the offender and they do not come to reveal the heretic but they come to reveal my integrity to the truth. They come to reveal my relationship with God. They come to test me to see if I'm ready to be elevated to the grand uh, stage in which God would use me to take down a giant, the grandest stage of ministry, these challenges, these battles, these trials are there to qualify me for that. And Saul was a man who had been weighed in the balance and he had been found wanting, yet he could have benefited from those words of young David when he said, For I have not proved this armor. I have not proved these weapons. David, though lesser in years, had not been around the block as many times as Saul, yet he exhibited a maturity beyond his years when uh, he looked at Saul and he looked with an understanding of the proving process of God. It was as if he was saying to Saul, I stand before you today, O king, a lion killer. I stand before you today, King Saul, perhaps an unconventional shepherd boy, but I have slain a bear without a coat of mail or a spear of iron, but my life has been tried and my steps have been tested on the proving grounds of God. An unconventional shepherd boy he was, not like Goliath who was a man of war from his youth. David understood that even amidst the chaos of battle, the trajectory, the speed, and the force of his life was as a stone in the hands of a master marksman shepherd. Unconventional he may have been, but David just chose to believe, I have a destiny. My life has been guided. My steps have been ordered. I may be in the valley of the shadow of death right now, but I still have a cup that's running over, and I've still got an anointing on my life, and I believe that I serve a God that will prepare for me a table in the presence of mine. And David just believed because he had an understanding that had been forged in the wilderness. He had an understanding that had been forged through the proving process of God. And so it was that the mindset of David was 
I may be a shepherd of unconventional means standing here today, but my life is as a smooth stone in the hands of one whose word charts the course of the stars and whose word regulates the timing of the tides. I'm guided by one in whose hand rests the reins that control the currents of the wind. My life is as a smooth stone in the hand of a master shepherd. Hallelujah. A smooth stone. The word the word here is chaluk, the Hebrew word, and this is its only appearance in all of the pages of Scripture. The very next word for stone in 2 Samuel 17.30 is eben, E-B-E-N, or stone. This Hebrew word for stone appears 272 times in the pages of your Bible, speaking of common stones and tablets of stone, stones hewn from rock by the hands of men, stones containing ore, stones shaped into tools, made into weapons, stones from which idols were sculpted. But this right here, this instance here is the only instance in all of Scripture where we find this word for a smooth stone. And perhaps it began as a rough stone. Its corners were jagged. Its face of a craggy countenance. Maybe it was kicked into the brook one day by the hoof of a passing heart as it was panting after the water brook or maybe it was skipped into that creek by the hand of a child as he was tossing it with his father and what wind and weather erosion could not do the water did for years and perhaps decades this stone which by chance found its position at the bottom of a babbling brook was it was crafted by the currents of its environment and it was shaped by the force of the flow of that brook but but hear me there was a day when the course of that stone that formerly rough stone that stone that was smoothed by waters and time crossed the sensitive hands of an unconventional shepherd and the hand of that shepherd hands that had pried sheep from the jaws of a lion and from the teeth of a bear hands that had danced gently across the strings of a harp hands that would put uh, uh, quilled parchment and pen poetic words like the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. It was these hands of an unconventional shepherd that would write though he fall he shall not be utterly cast down for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand it was from those hands that would flow the words I have been young and I'm older now yet have I never seen the righteous forsaken nor have I seen his seed begging for bread these hands they were sensitive hands they were gifted hands they were talented hands they were the hands of an unconventional shepherd hands of war and hands of writing hands that friends loved and hands that enemies feared hands of praise now became hands of destiny as the hand of an unconventional shepherd brushed across the smooth surface of a once rough hewn kicked aside unattractive stone and that stone was identified by the sensitivity of those hands and it was plucked from the floor of the brook by the sensitive touch of those hands and then it was dropped into a bag to rattle amongst its brethren and if stones could talk 
Oh, if stones could talk, I can imagine that the seemingly never-ending polishing and finishing of it, that stone's life was nothing compared to the shaking, rattling, and rolling around in the darkness of the bag of this unconventional shepherd. You and I, we were tossed aside. Our lives were rough rocks on the banks of life's brook. Perhaps it was an uncaring passerby that kicked us into its flow. Or maybe it was somebody that shoved us aside, roughly placing you, positioning you into rock-bottom flow of a river that would one day, unbeknownst to you, bring you into your divine destiny. Perhaps it was a priest that passed you by. Maybe it was a Pharisee that wounded you and looked at you and kept on walking. Maybe organized religion, generic religion, kicked you to the side. But I'm glad that today there was a day when the sensitive hand of an unconventional shepherd reached down when I was at rock bottom and he said, I can use that. Oh, maybe you remember the day. Is there somebody in this house who remembers that day? Maybe you remember the day. I I never shall forget the day when all my burdens were rolled away. He made me happy. He set me free. Hallelujah. I, I remember that day. Maybe you remember the day when the hands of war and music feared by enemies and loved by friends, those hands reached into the flow of a life that had done what could not be accomplished before somebody kicked you aside and wounded you. And life's turns and currents have a way of filing away edges and polishing away the roughness. I need to tell you today that everything that you've been through, everything that's brought you through six years in a church, but even everything that brought you to this church that began six years ago, every heartache and every trial, every minister that failed you and every relationship that was destroyed every time that you despised the depth of the brook and the force of life's current, every time that you have lamented the darkness of the bag, every time that you were jarred a little bit by a collision uh, with a brother that offended you. These times were preparing you for a day uh, when there would be an unconventional shepherd uh, that would pass by and locate you in the bottom of the brook uh, and say, I have a work. Uh, I will revive the work. Hallelujah. That day. (laughs) Lift your hands and thank him for that day today. That day, oh, it was a day when the skillful hand of the shepherd would place me into the position to fulfill the eternal purpose of God for my life. You need to know today that the course of the shepherd did not just intersect the course of the stone, but the journey of the shepherd was in fact the very same journey as that of the stone. And the journey of every smooth stone will be a reflection of the journey of the shepherd that picked you up. For he was tempted in all points like as we, yet he was without sin. The shepherd lived the life of the stone. He was bruised and he was beaten. He came unto his own and his own received him not. The shepherd lived the life in the darkness of the bag. He was cast aside. He was the stone. 
which the builders rejected, who was made the chief of the corner, the shepherd, became like the stone so that one day you and I, lively stones, could become like the shepherd. Every man, I don't care if it's your first time here today and you're not familiar with this kind of ministry or preaching, it may be something that's completely unknown to you today, but every man, including you, it doesn't matter if you've been in the church 50 years, every man has the opportunity to be selected from the brook, and it is through your obedience to your, that that thing that is inside of you that's drawing you to the hand of the unconventional shepherd, it is through your obedience that you have the opportunity to be chosen from the bag, it is through your obedience and through your faithfulness that God will develop you in the darkness so that you can step out and face a Goliath and win a mighty victory for God's people and fulfill your destiny. But for that to happen, I must choose. It must be my heart's desire not only to know him in the power of his resurrection, but also in the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death. My life becoming not a rough stone, but smooth, being made conformable unto his death. And if I will allow myself to be drawn by destiny, then there are going, I want you to hear me in the Holy Ghost right now, there are going to be moments in the brook that mold you. There are going to be collisions in the bag that will test you. Darkness will for a time be your dwelling place. And if God picks you up and he places you in the sling of ministry, it's going to feel at times like things are spinning completely out of control. But though I fall, I shall not be cast down. The unconventional shepherd upholds me with his hand. There are for each of us, and represented in this house today, in this sixth anniversary service celebration, three stages of life. The brook, the bag, and the battle. There were three stages of the priesthood. Apprenticeship until 30. Active service from 30 to 50. And then it was after 50 that the priesthood stepped into a mentorship type calling. Three stages of life that are marked by three crises of life. The identity crisis of my younger years when I'm trying to find my direction. The reality crisis of my mid-30s. And then one day I be faced by the mortality crisis of my later years. In the brook, we're shaped as young people by the currents of life, the voice of a mentor speaking into existence eternal things in our lives. In the bag, it is then that we are functional, yet at times it feels like we're directionless. In the bag, we must learn how to navigate some collisions among brethren and learn to channel our productive energy, not to lift up myself, but to lift up the kingdom of God. And then there will come a day, every one of you in this house, should you be faithful to God, that you will reach an age of maturity 
And you will be placed as an elder onto the front lines of a spiritual battle. I, I didn't make a mistake. I said, elders, you are on the front lines. And I understand that the enemy may attack you with a voice of discouragement because the way that the world looks at our elders is to glorify youth and to try to keep somebody forever young and don't let your age show and don't allow that hair to turn gray and don't allow yourself to limp a little bit because you've taken more steps than just about anybody else, the world would try to get you to hide your age because the enemy glorifies his rookies, but he never shows his veterans, the ones that have have cancer because they've smoked two or three packs a day for 30 or 40 years, or the ones that've got a liver deteriorating because they've been drunk, or that the ones that have been eaten up by drug addictions, the enemy will will, will parade his rookies and say, be like them, but God isn't like that. He puts his veterans out front and he says you bend through the brook and the brook was to qualify you. I picked you up out of the bag because of your obedience. But now your life is not over. I want to tell an elder in this house your voice may feel a little weaker than my voice feels today but it echoes in the spirit stronger than it's ever echoed before. God is in the process of taking you from walking in the flesh as a young man to leading in the spirit as an elder. wonder if you're an elder if you just lift up your hands and be encouraged right now. Lift up your hands as encouragement begins to flow. Begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Tap into that channel of the Spirit right now. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted, and he faced three temptations that came from the devil. The first temptation was the lust of the flesh, then you have the lust of the eyes, and then the pride of life. It's in the brook of my youth that I'm tempted by my flesh. It's in the bag of my productive years that I'm at a peril of losing my course by pursuing money and material things and keeping them to myself. And it's when I get to the battle, when it's hard me to let go of some of the energy that's always defined me. It's a shot to my pride to leave being a person that walks mightily in the flesh to being a person that has to walk by faith in the Spirit. And so it's there that I'm wrestling with the pride of life. The brook polishes my edges and my flesh must be brought into submission. The bag tests my mettle. I must learn how to focus my energies for the kingdom. I must learn how to avoid cynicism and the lure of acclaim. And in the battle, I'm at great peril because I don't have the strength of my youth. And I don't seem to have the productivity of my middle age. If I'm not careful as an elder, I can lose grasp on it. And my eyes can begin to dim because I believe the voice is of another counselor. And I believe the voice is of the enemy. 
And I don't realize that my place is on the front lines of battle. I want to tell this church today that God has gifted this church with elders. God has gifted this church with gray hair. This church is not six years old, but this is the church that was founded in the book of Acts. And it has been carried on through the prayers of praying people. I say to you, elder today, that as you go into this next phase of a building process, now more than ever, you need to lift up this church in prayer. Now more more than ever, you need to realize uh, I'm not out of the fight, uh, but I'm on the front lines of the battle. Huh. It's not by might, Kyle, speaking of the strength of you, nor yet by power. This word is coac, speaking of the substance or the wealth of a middle-aged productive man. But by my spirit, says the Lord. The accumulated spirit or leadership influence of an elder is never to be substituted for the leadership of the Spirit of God. But I say to you today that as you enter into this next phase of growth and revival in this city, that when the hands of war of a young man come together with the substance and the productive hands of a middle-aged man, and the uplifted hands and prayer of an elder rise, and your voice echoes in the spirit, that there's about to, on the wings of those three things, come a revival that you prayed for, a revival that you've imagined, a revival that you could only dream of. <laughs> I say to you, don't lose heart in the brook. I say to our young people today, you're in an apprenticeship phase in life. Listen to the voice of those middle-aged people. Listen to the voice of your elders. Get a hold of that old flesh and crucify it. If you don't crucify it right now, it's going to rise up when you're past time. It's going to rise up in your elder age. It's going to rise up again and again and again. But I say to you, if you're under 30, present yourself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. When you do this, it's going to qualify you for the next level of ministry in your life. Uh, young people, I'm 34. I feel like I'm 20. Still having kids, Brother O'Connell. God help me. There's a big difference in having a baby at 34 than there is at 22 and 23. I'm in the prime of my productive years. I don't preach great today, but I'm probably never going to preach better according to the measure of man than I do in my middle age years. I'm probably never going to earn more money than I do in my 30 to 50 years. So the temptation of my generation is to take that strength and use it for myself and my family. To take that productivity, to use it, Brother Hurst, to gather things unto myself. To use it to try to build a name for myself. To try to build a claim for myself. That's the temptation of a middle-aged person. The temptation 
is because I've been around the block just enough times to remember what all the houses look like. When my elders make a decision that I don't like or when my spiritual leadership makes a decision that I don't agree with, my temptation is to rise up and say, no, I'm going to get cynical and I'm going to get bitter. But I want you to know that just as you crucified the flesh of your early years, you've got to put that old man to death again in your middle ages. You've got to use that productivity to give to the kingdom. Give and it shall be given to you. Press down, shaken together, running over, shall men return it unto you. That's a principle of giving that we find in the Bible. Give. My middle age years may be the greatest years of earning that I ever had, but I would to God that they be the greatest years of giving in the material things of God than I've ever given. I want to tell you that if so, there's some young people with some energy that will come together with some middle-aged people who will say, you know what, that's me. I'm going to rise up and I'm going to be the vessel that God uses to pay for that property. I'm going to be the vessel that God uses to pay for that building. That's my purpose. That's who I am. He's talking about me. When you do that, I want to tell you that you shall be mighty and you shall do exploits. So what I feel like God's doing in this house today and what he sent me to tell you is that there are three phases of life represented in this church. And to enter into the next phase of this church's growth, which you're going to do, I, I've got to tell you, I, I travel and preach at quite a few churches, but what's happening here is unique. Brother Curtis, what's happening here is special. What's happening here, Brother O'Connell, you're a talented man. But this isn't the talent of a man. It's the hand of God. It's a talented man who has surrendered himself to God and said, I'm going to be that seed that falls into the ground and dies, and it's going to bear forth much fruit. I want to tell you that what you feel in this house every Sunday, it's not common. What you see happen in this house with it being full, I preach at churches all the time where you can sit anywhere in the building. I want to tell you it's not common. It's the hand of God. It's the power of the Holy Ghost. And what God sent me here to tell you today is that when some hands of war come together with some hands of productivity and some hands of prayer are uplifted, then God's about to open a door in the spirit the likes of which have been prophesied in this city for many years. Would you stand to your feet lift your hands right now? Elder, would you just pray right now? Elder, would you just pray? Ah, young person, would you pray right now? Middle-aged person, would you commit your works unto the Lord and let him establish them right now? Would you do that right now? Would you lift up your voice all across this house? Santo Robo Shataya. When, when I go to preach a place, the Lord will give me a picture. 
And then I just preach towards what I see in that picture in the spirit. What I saw is I saw the weaving together <laughs> of a threefold cord. I saw it as it came together that it began to wrap around some things that had dominated in this city for long enough. It began to wrap around some mindsets. It began to wrap around some mentalities. That threefold cord is those who are in the brook today, those who are in the bag today, and those who God has anointed for battle today. So I feel like the Lord's given me a word of wisdom for this altar service, and what I'd like to do today is maybe a little bit out of the ordinary, But I'd like to ask all of our elders who are over the age of 50, don't be afraid of your age. Be proud of your age today. God's blessed you with it. Would you come up to the front right now? You're going to stand on the front lines of battle in this altar service today. Would you come all the way up? Would you come all the way up today? Ah, look at these elders. Would you come with your hands lifted? Holy hands. I would that men pray everywhere with uplifted hands. Holy hands. Holy hands today. Oh, that's it. To our elders, we thank you for your service. To our elders, we thank you for your faithfulness today. To our elders, you are the reason why that this truth is enduring to every generation today. That's it, elders. Go ahead and pray in the Spirit. Go ahead and pray in the Holy Ghost today. Hallelujah, elders. If you, if you could, could you just fill in this area up here right now? Behind our elders, I'm asking for some middle-aged people, 30 to 50, to lift your hands right now and come walking up to the front. Your hands lifted are signifying that these are anointed productive hands. These are hands that I'm going to stick into the harvest. These are hands that I'm going to use to lift up the kingdom, not draw blessing to myself. Oh, that's it. Would you lift them high? That's it. Would you lift them high today? There's a holy anointing that's coming upon this congregation right now. All right, young people, I want you to lift those hands of war. I want you to lift those hands of energy. I want you to, I want you to give God your flesh right now. I want you to give God your future right now. If you're physically able, every hand in this house, would you lift it up right now? If you're physically able, now would you just begin to accompany it with your voice? And when you begin to pray, Pastor O'Connell's going to begin to pray over this congregation. And there's going to be a threefold cord uh, that will begin to weave together. Uh, and God is going to position you uh, to take the next place uh, in his destiny. God uh, is going to position you to Walk through the door. Lift your voice right now. Lift it high right now. If you've been blessed by this message, consider joining us for Sunday morning worship at 11 a.m. and Wednesday Bible study at 7 p.m. Thank you for listening.